Hello, uh, welcome to Crypto with Cash podcast or cast episode number five. If you're new to this, my name is Duncan Morland. I'm a writer with Prospect uh, Market Prospects. Even forgot forgot the company I work for, <laughs> um, and I'm joined by Kashaya Bassi, who runs the Crypto with Cash newsletter. How are you doing today, Cash? I'm all good. Doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, uh, this is probably the highlight of my day. I think I've just been writing boring stuff all day. So I'm looking forward to talking about some crypto topics with you. But before we get into that, um, next Tuesday, we're holding a live a live crypto webinar where Cash will be walking people through his crypto trading strategy and sharing one of the coins from the Crypto Cash portfolio. Um, there'll be a link under the podcast um, video on YouTube, or I guess in the description on the podcast channels, if you want to join us for that, it's completely free. And um, we've done one before, which went really well. You know, we cash I walked everyone through um, his strategy and sort of then did a live Q and A where he answered everyone's questions. So we're going to do the same thing this time. Um, so if you're interested in joining us for that, then there'll be a link underneath. Um, anyway, today's topics we have. Quite a lot to do with Ethereum, different networks, virtual machines, and other good stuff. So I'll just I'll just throw the first question at you, and these all come from from the community. So the first question was: Why do some platforms offer some cryptos while others don't, and which platforms offer the most cryptos? So I guess uh, they're asking, you know, some exchanges like Binance and Coinbase have, you know, some cryptocurrencies that that are available that aren't available on some platforms and then there's help cash i'm already drowning in this question like what uh, no, it's all right so um i would say i think it ultimately comes down to the screening processes that each exchange um implements so for example coinbase um up until like maybe a couple months ago they were very very strict in, in regards to what coins they allow on their uh, platforms Perhaps this is due to their due diligence or perhaps because of um, regulation or for any other reason. It could be, for example, there's a certain threshold of interest or volume or social media, um, like um, how how popular it is on social media before it gets picked up by these exchanges. Um, At the same time, you've got to remember, not all of these coins are legitimate projects, so in order for these companies to protect themselves, they have to do um, a strict uh, screening process to only allow the best of the best projects through. Mm. And of course, um, different exchanges have different levels of security and uh, different sort of measures that they allow in. Um, so that's that's arguably the main reason. Uh, Binance, for example, is, is probably the exchange with the uh, highest number of um, coins in regards to one of the... So, Basically, Coinbase doesn't have as many coins as Binance does. FTX is an up-and-coming exchange. They're adding more coins. Because um, Sam Bankman-Fried, who is the uh, CEO of FTX, he's very involved in the uh, Twitter communities. So as soon as he sees uh, a new coin becoming popular or a new coin being discussed, he quickly adds it to the exchange because you know that can generate revenue yeah. for them and they can attract volume. Um, Binance has a lot of coins, but Coinbase, again, I think they're a lot stricter when it comes to adding coins onto their platform. Yeah, and I'd say from what I've heard, Kraken, which is another, I think it's a UK-based exchange, is, is even more stricter with what they add. So, mm-hmm. um, And then also you've got, 
Um, so they're the centralized exchanges, which are the easiest places, I guess, to, you know, where most people end up to buy their first cryptocurrencies. And then you've got the decentralized exchanges like Uniswap and stuff. And am I right in thinking anybody can list a crypto? Anybody can list any crypto on, on Uniswap, yes, or any right, decentralized okay. exchange. Which um, is why, for example, there are a lot of scams. So, for example, say there's a there's a coin that's newly been added onto Coinbase, for example. A lot of scammers would um, try to take advantage of that by using the same ticker, but just putting it on Uniswap, pretending it's the same token. Yeah. And, of course, if, if you're a newcomer, if you're not aware of these scams, the possibilities of these scams, then you can fall for that. Like, for example, it could be added onto Coinbase. It could be trading at maybe $30 a coin, any, uh, for example. But then they'd add it onto Uniswap. And and uh, make it start tr like trading at ten dollars, for example, pretending that yeah. oh, they're giving a discount or there's a certain incentive uh, for them to um, give these discounts on the coins. And of course, they kind of lure um, you know unsuspecting traders in. Like so, yeah. So I guess the the big centralized exchanges, you've got that benefit of like curation. But then I guess the benefit of a decentralized exchange is you can invest in. You, if you know how to avoid the scams and stuff, you can invest in, you know, potentially very good products very early on, I guess. Can't exactly. You? That's that's definitely true. A lot of these projects that do get added onto these large exchanges started off, you know, on decentralized exchanges. And mm -hmm. that's not to say all coins on decentralized exchanges are scams. That's definitely not the case. But, yeah, I'm just trying to get across the idea that it is very easy. Anyone can add any token with any ticker onto these um, exchanges. So you've got to be careful. And like you said, um, if you do your research, you can come across some really projects early on while they are still on the decentralized exchange um, platforms and not centralized ones, and you can make good profits. But it's very difficult to find um, solid projects, you know, that, that haven't already been bought up and added onto these, these big exchanges. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I guess, if, like you said, like uh, the guy running the FTX um, exchanges, yeah. Yeah, if he's trying to get projects on as early as possible now anyway, then it's kind of yeah um, a good thing. So I hope that answers. Oh, and, uh, the second part of that question, which was which exchange offers the most, I guess you kind of answered that. It was Binance. Yeah, so Binance, I think, well, it attracts the largest amount of volume out of all the other exchanges. I wouldn't necessarily say it supports the highest number of um, coins. I think perhaps decentralized exchanges would, would take that title. Um, yeah. Then again, there are some lower, like mid-tier exchanges that offer loads of coins as well. And a lot of times, coins get added onto those mid-tier exchanges before they get added onto the large ones. Um, so by numbers, I'm not sure whether Binance is, uh, covers the highest number of um, coins, but in terms of volume, it definitely um, is in first place for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I hope that answers that question. Um, number two, and I thought I think this is a really interesting one. Is I think we should just start with what is <laughs> what is the Ethereum virtual machine cash? So essentially, like an Ethereum virtual machine is, if a project is EVM compatible, that means essentially you can port any sort of project that is on Ethereum over onto this new project. So, for example, Binance Smart Chain is EVM compatible. That means any project that is on Ethereum can essentially be copied and pasted onto Binance Smart Chain. Mm. Um, so, for example, different projects have different coding uh, languages and programming languages. So Ethereum uses what is called Solidity, whereas, for example, um, Solana uses Rust. 
Yeah. Um, you, you would not be able to copy and paste projects from Ethereum over onto Solana. You need to rewrite the whole coding um, in that. My series going off, I think. <laughs> <laughs> My phone just went off at the same time, and that's good. And I, I just say, when you say projects, you mean projects like decentralized exchanges or yield farming yeah, platforms or whatever. Lending protocols, borrowing pro protocols. Yeah. Um, pretty much the vast majority, I would say, of the top 100 coins are coins which are built on top of Ethereum. Um, and that's how the ecosystem is built. And a lot of people choose to actually move away from Ethereum over to these EVM compatible chains like Binance Smart Chain mm -hmm. because of the high fees that, um, that, you know, that are associated with Ethereum. For example, if you want to send any sort of token all over the Ethereum um, network, you'd have to pay upwards of $30, $40. If you want to make, make a swap on like exchange on a decentralized exchange um, on Ethereum, you'd have to pay upwards of $100 per a transaction whereas if you move over to like for example Binance Smart Chain you could do essentially the same thing if it is supported if that certain project is supported um, and only pay maybe a dollar for uh, mm. trading fees or transaction fees sorry yes yeah, so that that was a kind of our third question so it fits into this is about fees which you just answered like that's why a lot of a lot of people have migrated from using ethereum for for different things like making interest on their cryptos or yeah. you know using the, ex the exchanges on ethereum or whatever it is to projects like binance smart chain and solana to get those low fees and that's i you know with the nfts i remember you saying that a lot of people were buying solana to buy nfts and i guess that was taking place on there but because of lower transaction fees as well, maybe? Is yeah, that... absolutely. And uh, funnily enough, I think some, some members in our Telegram group realized just how cheap it is to make transactions on these alternative platforms, um, even if it was from moving funds from one exchange to another. Um, mm. If I recall correctly, some people use the Tron network to move um, USDT, for example, um, to, uh, um, dollar that is, um, to, you know, one tether yeah uh, they would, before you would have to pay maybe 30 40 dollars um to move from just your money from one exchange to another using ethereum but mm. if you use tron for example or if you use solana it would cost you less than a penny sometimes yeah maybe yeah. two cents at most so this is um i guess my question is this is very good for the other blockchains, you know, if they can sort of run Ethereum-based projects on Solana, on Phantom, on these all these other blockchains. But what happens in general and to all these uh, alternate, alternative blockchains and side chains on this, that people have been adding to Ethereum to make things quicker, what happens when Ethereum 2.0 comes along and presumably the fees drop right down? Yeah, that's a very good question. Does, does everybody migrate back to Ethereum and do some of these chains collapse? Like what? Yeah, that is a very, very good question. And um, no one knows the answer to that yet. Um, okay. I projects. <laughs> yeah, no one knows. Uh, that's why I feel like it's very important to, you know, diversify and not just hold it on to one coin. It's important to, you know, but basically the thing is no one really knows. Of course, these other uh, other alternative chains are a lot cheaper at the moment. Mm. Like you said, when Ethereum 2.0 comes out, who knows how, how cheap the fees are going to go. Of course, uh, the network will be a lot faster then as well. So no one knows, really. Yeah. Um, it's up for debate. It's up for debate. It really is. I guess, I guess like maybe 
two things I thought maybe is one, the different blockchains will try and um, compete with having varied ecosystems, you know, like maybe trying to, to pay to keep certain projects exclusive to one of the blockchains or something. That's, that's or, something that's occurred to me as well. Like, for example, some projects have moved from Ethereum to Binance Smart Chain or from Ethereum to Solana. The question yeah. is, are these projects going to, uh, you know, risk upsetting some investors or their users by moving back to Ethereum? Would they be bothered if Ethereum or if, if Solana, for example, does the job for them? Yeah. Um, at the same time, by the time Ethereum 2.0 comes out, who's to say these existing alternative um, chains haven't improved their systems as well? So yeah. like you said, it's good, they're going to continue to compete and going forward. So that is a possibility. But um, in regards to exactly what's going to happen, no one knows, I think. Yeah, I guess one one thing that also I wanted to feed into that, I guess, is more and more like like playing with DeFi uh, sort of stuff where you're connecting to a DeFi projects, you know, whether it's kind of to earn some interest or to swap coins or whatever. Increasingly, there seems to be options for more and more blockchains you can pick, you know, like mm -hmm. Ethereum or Phantom or blah, blah, blah. And it does feel like uh, there's a word you used in one of your write-ups, which was uh, interoperability or something, you know, like yeah. the ability to just kind of use any coin anywhere across all these blockchains. Yeah. I, do, I mean, these do you projects think... are like blockchain agnostic. So yeah, yeah. Tied, to, tied down to one blockchain, they can actually be implemented onto any chain. And I think that is definitely the future. More and more projects are using that since. And I think the more that becomes the norm, the less maybe people will stick to projects which are only offering one network. Mm. Yeah, and I guess it's more from like the customer or the investors, from our point of view, mm -hmm. it, it maybe doesn't even matter in the future. Like if you have your Ethereum coin or whatever you're using to invest or your, your stable coin, um, and you can just plug into whatever website you need to use it on, maybe it just doesn't matter what blockchain it's, is doing the, Doing that yeah, behind I feel the, like yeah. you're, you're right. I feel like right now there's a lot of um, a lot of these these blockchains are quite rudimentary in the sense that they're quite clunky to use. They're quite they're not very user uh, friendly. Uh, you really need to know what you're doing because, it, like like we've mentioned before, if you make one mistake, if you send it to the wrong address, there's no one who can you know get your funds back, for example. Mm. Um, but I think as the space develops and becomes more mature. If you're going to get better products out, and at one stage you won't even realize what blockchain you're using. The, the underlying um, infrastructure will be based on a, a blockchain, maybe multiple blockchains, and the end user will not even realize because it would, the whole process will be so seamless. Yeah, I think it's it. That reminded me of um, oh god, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like the NBA. You probably know, like the NBA released like NFTs, um, special sort of. I think it was maybe replay clips of like historic. Mm -hmm moments mm -hmm. and it was called it's called top, top, was it top shots yeah yeah that's it i think mm -hmm. and it, and when you're reading about it like obviously like people in the crypto community knew it was based on blockchain technology and that was what kind of it was nfts that were what you were buying essentially but it, yeah, but like when you actually go to the website it didn't say that up front, actually, yeah yeah it was just like a digital collector's item so for the average person it was like oh, cool, I can own this digital version of, like, a historic moment in NBA. And they didn't even really need to, like, like engage with the blockchain or, you know, crypto wallets or, or anything. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, it's very interesting. Like, definitely, the way forward is just tricking people into using the blockchain without <laughs> without telling yeah, them. I think the cheapest, fastest um, network will win in the end. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be one uh, network. It's just there are blockchains out there that even to this day are very slow to use. Um, uh, of course, we have Solana, which is super fast, that has high throughput. Um, it can, it, we can support many thousand transactions per second. Um, how other companies and how other projects are going to compete with that, I'm not sure. I would say that at, turn, at this moment in time, it is one of the top you know, competitors to Ethereum. But um, who knows um, where we'll, what the space will look like in you know, five, ten years from now. Yeah, you shared a chart in the community earlier that showed, I think it showed like the number of new projects being developed or the number of... A uh, number of like development commitments and or like commits made on the right, uh, actual yeah. blockchain. So the number of like people who have made changes to the development of the project. Yeah, and Solana is not as high as Ethereum yet, but it's catching but up. It's which, there, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of work being done on it. Um, so I guess we're having a shortish podcast this week, so I'll just take the next minute to just plug the webinar or the workshop we're doing next week because um, well, the way we structured it last time is we didn't want it just – I mean, obviously, there's an opportunity to join crypto, the Crypto with Cash service at the end of the workshop, but we didn't want it to just be like a sales pitch kind of thing. So we, so Cash, you like walked everyone through your strategy yeah. and you gave them like a tip from the portfolio, which people would normally normally pay for. And we're doing that again. So like, even if you don't want to join uh, the Crypto of Cash service or you're, you're not sure about it, it's still worth like turning up to be able to like ask Cash your questions and have him walk you through his strategy. And the strategy since since we launched in March, like you've that six cryptos from the portfolio have more than doubled and you've yeah. sent sell alerts out for, which is like an amazing track record, I think. Um, so that means that's uh, profits locked in on on some of the portfolio already and um and it's through doing this strategy it's through finding cryptos um rather than just reading social media <laughs> and like um yeah like just following what other people are saying and, and sort of betting you you're doing like a proper investment thing yeah. um why are you doing a proper investment thing cash rather than just punting on crypto uh twitter cryptos <laughs> i know i know um but I do believe it's it's important to have a strategy because uh, just being someone who you know um, looks at social media sentiment when it comes to these points every every week or so there'll be new a uh, new flavor uh, a new mm. crypto that um, yes. is talked about it's going to be the next big thing and maybe two three days later uh, it's completely forgotten about and it's been replaced by another but I feel like with us because we're focused on the long term um, I feel like we make uh, better games like that because we're not investing in hyped up coins we're investing in fundamentally solid projects mm. yeah i've been like researching some DeFi uh focused projects and cryptos over the last few days and it's really overwhelming almost immediately like yeah. you just you kind of pulled in every which way direction like oh this no this this community is telling me this thing's going to be the next big thing oh, but but then like you know an hour later you're reading about something else that is going to be the next big thing yeah. and it, yeah, totally. it can be like overload by information so having like a process step-by-step -step process to kind of properly look at the fundamentals of of a coin and treat it like an investment like yeah, for sure. media for a bit, but yeah 
Um, anyway, yeah, like if, you, if anyone wants to is listening and they want to join us, even if they're a member of Crypto of Cash already and they just want to join to ask some questions in the live Q and A, that's fine. So it's next Tuesday, seven pm, um, and it's free. And there'll be a link below this video or somewhere near the podcast if uh, you're listening on a platform. But thank you for uh, answering these questions today, Cash. Thanks for having me. And we'll speak again soon. Okay. Good. Uh, let me find the hangout button on this. Uh, <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.